Hello there, everybody. It's me, Gary Kidney, the co-host of You've Got to Be Kidding Me on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. And I am Liam Jones, my full name, and I am also a part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network as a co-host, but you've got to be kidding me. We are a TNA history podcast that covers TNA one month at a time. We cover all the drama, all the matches, all the Vince Russo nonsense you could ever want in your life. Have you you heard of TNA? I bet you have. But would it be funnier if two people made jokes over it the whole time? Probably. So if that sounds like fun to you, check it out on this very Voices of Wrestling podcasting network, and Liam will do bits and whatnot. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Shake them ropes. I am Jeff Hawkins. He is Chris Novembrino. For the past few years, I have starred, hey kids, do you like pro wrestling? Well, we like pro wrestling too, in that Dave Letterman style. The problem is I'm not sure anymore. (laughs) Chris, let's talk about uh, the elephant in the room. Did WWE tell a good story with a bad ending, or did they do a good job of telling us that Cody might win? They, because I don't know anymore. I really I don't, don't think Cody's going to win the title eventually. Uh, I mean, I'm starting to think that too. I, I really have my doubts that he wins the title. Uh, I felt watching this main event that the analogy I can best come up with it would be like if they didn't crown Daniel Bryan at WrestleMania, or they didn't crown Kofi Kingston at WrestleMania. And we were supposed to believe that if you wait another year, this was really going to be worth it and really be this star making performance. And well, that's kind of what I'm having people tell me is that, well, you know, Triple H, so. you never win the title the first time. Yeah, well, with Dusty, you never did, too. And it didn't help Crockett at all when it happened. Right, right. That wasn't actually a strong point in Dusty's booking. No, it wasn't. He, he always crowned the guy way too late. But, I mean, the end of Saturday, I was more optimistic about wrestling than I'd ever been, I think. I was like, that was a great one night of wrestling and it's not that night two wasn't great it was because that i see triple threat overall yeah i mean it, it was a strong wrestlemania overall but i but i came out like here's the ironic thing is that in my childhood the first few wrestlemanias it was all about the happy ending it was all about hulk hogan overcoming you know monster of the year that they had built Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. You know that, that was that was their thing. That was what they were known for. Was the happy ending. You know, you stick the landing on the year, and you start the story anew on the on you know the next week on your syndicated show, and you build for a year through your big four pay per views, and you get to the blow off at WrestleMania. That was always what this was. But Roman Reigns saying in that press conference, "We're only in the third inning of this story." Dude, this bloodline's been going on for. Almost three years now. It's almost gone as long as the run of the four horsemen. 
the and here's story my... doesn't have any more steam in it is part of the problem. That's the thing. And we'll, we can get into the Monday thing, but... Uh, oh, the... we will. I think we'll stick that for, for Lazy River. Yeah, well, I mean... Or do we want to do it now? Because I am fine well, you, either way. You asked, me, you asked me if it was a bad, a good story with a bad ending. and Because the story was, finish the story. That was the theme. It was, Sami Zayn loses... And then Cody Rhodes is going to be the guy to come in there and do it. And he doesn't. And I don't think that you can do the whole, well, now we're going to rebuild Cody up for a year and have him win in Philly. No, or in no. Saudi he's, not going to be, he's not going to be hotter when no. he wins in Philly or Saudi Arabia if he does win in Philly or Saudi Arabia after beating Brock, if he does beat Brock. Uh, I, I have my doubts on all of that. Uh, but... As far as the story goes, I mean, last week I sort of posited that it was interesting potentially to have a story where you've built up Cody as this extremely credible challenger. Roman wins. So the story we thought was about Cody, but it's a bit of a red herring because he was airdropped into the storyline and they did a wonderful drop job airdropping him into the storyline, making him credible. But the story's still always been about Roman. And this is where I think they messed up if the story's about Roman. Like, having Roman win the match is fine, but Roman has to win the match in a Pyrrhic victory. He has to win the match but lose his family. And in this case, everybody rallied around the flag. Uh, (laughs) My biggest problem with it was, in a way... Solo Sokoa coming in with the Samoan spike. I thought that this match, if Roman was going to win, needed to involve Roman at some point sacrificing Jay Uso to get, you know, hit by Cody Rhodes. Like Cody Rhodes hits Jay Uso with the belt or something like that, or like, you know, some sort of thing where he sells out his family in a clear way and then he wins the, t- he manages to retain his title, but he's now lost his entire family. That would make a lot more sense as to bringing in Brock or something after the fact. But uh, I felt like this missed the mark because basically his entire family rallied around him. So he managed to hang on to his title and everybody's completely loyal to, to him. So even the second act now where he's bringing in Brock and he's not pleased with the Usos or whatever, it, it, it's, it's not as interesting as if he had just sold them all out on Sunday. Yeah, and I, I think I, I mean I think the stable has run its course. To be honest with you, it, it's it was interesting because somebody brought up um, a friend of mine on, who I do another show with. He's saying, "Oh no, the bloodline are the horsemen," and I said, "No, I think the bloodline are the baddies, and I think Roman's Jade, and we're not quite sure how to get out of this story necessarily. I'm sure they have a plan. I'm just not sure it's a good plan. And right now, I." the bloodline bickering amongst themselves is not intriguing to me at all unless Cody was the cause of it. And I think what we're going to get now, and this was a uh, Brad Ryder who I think listens to us, but also listens to my other show. And I think he's right about this. I think we're getting a two man power trip story, much like uh, Austin and triple H back in the day, except it's going to be Brock and Roman. And I think they're getting the tag titles. And I think it's probably going to be in a three-way with the Usos and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, where they beat the Usos so that you don't beat the 
the people's choice, but they still get the tag belts. And then Roman has four belts on him. We're we're just going to double down on Roman being the Ultimo Dragon, I guess, of WWE. Uh, okay, I kind of I like that visual. I I like. Can he come out to the music once? <laughs> no, I don't think they own the right. Well, they might own the rights to it. The the, the WCW music. Yeah, right, right. I want him to come out to the WCW music just one time with all the belts. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about more of the Lazy River. Right, I, I mean, okay, so then again, if if the story going forward's about Roman, I actually weirdly don't have a problem with that so much. Uh, you need to figure out an off-ramp at some point. Or, you know, I mean, their bigger problem here in killing Cody is who is the credible challenger now? Yeah, it, it it it's one of those things where it's like, well, okay, if Brock tears Roman apart and takes the titles from him, that doesn't make Roman a good guy, <laughs> you know? It doesn't make, oh, you know, is he going to enlist Cody's help to take on Brock? Is he going to, yeah, it's just... No, I mean, if Roman gets torn apart by Brock, that's like Dr. Frankenstein getting torn apart by his monster. You yes. don't suddenly feel bad for Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, if Paul Heyman is the architect guy. of the death of the bloodline. I don't know, yeah. And here's my other question. This is from a business perspective. Does WWE think they're in a war? Because if I think I am in a war against AEW, I belt Cody. Because that gets their locker room talking. That gets their locker room, which is already a little bit of a bickering mess at times, a little bit grumbling, a little bit, hey, maybe I want to go to these other guys or whatnot. I thought I, I, I was coming in here today. If you had asked me Saturday night, my entire talking point was this entire wrestling landscape has now changed. Because WWE has thrown down the uh, shot across the bow and has done something with a guy from the other team and has made them and has made them their linchpin. I mean, when WWE made Flair the champion in the 92 Rumble, the fans of WCW still loved Ric Flair. That was part of the charm and part of why people started going to WWF at that time. AEW, there was a good, I'd say, 30% of the AEW fan base that wanted Cody the hell out of there. They were tired of him. They didn't like his stuff. We want They wanted Kenny and the Young Bucks, whatever your excuse was. And I think, I kind of think if you had belted Cody here, because number one, it would have been just an era of good feeling in wrestling, to be honest with you. But number two, I think you, I think you, dishearten a lot of people in the AEW galaxy, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that that is true. And I also think that the bloodline needed to fall. That was the story yes. of WrestleMania. And then they can bicker. Right. <laughs> you have the bloodline fall, like the, the whole thing that they were trying to deliver. And, and when you're saying about the era of good feeling, uh, I mean, you need to have the end of the bloodline story. And, and that, that really meant Roman losing the titles. I, it wasn't enough to have the Usos lose the titles, especially not if 
Roman and Brock are going to get the titles back. I mean, if that happens, if the two man power trip storyline happens, and we don't know that's going to yet. No, but like, we don't. But positing it feels that, like it. positing that that that's where we're going here, then WrestleMania really was nothing. Mm-hmm. Roman retains, and within a matter of weeks, gets the or a matter of months, maybe at the most, gets his tag team titles back and ends up more powerful than ever. Yes. Uh, and, and, and then you have nobody narrative. to go after him. Yeah, it's <laughs> extremely narratively unsatisfying. And then yeah. now overpowered Roman even more. So then who are you building up and how are you building that person up? Are you going to have that person beat Brock in a surprise like John Cena like finish where like John Cena only this time Brock Lesnar is John Cena goes down in six minutes and 40 seconds or whatever it was in that Cena match. Uh, I don't I don't know what the roadmap would possibly be to build up a baby face to the level of power able to go after Roman Reigns at this point. And that that's the other big mistake. Uh, I mean, yes, I have been somewhat critical of like Cody being airdropped into the storyline. He doesn't necessarily make a perfect sense as the finish line here, but he definitely has the ability to be a top baby face champion for this company, or he did. Um, up until Monday, where I think they, you know, knocked him down the card pretty substantially in one night with limited effort. Yeah, the uh, the yin and yang of uh, fans leaving SoFi Saturday and Sunday was kind of amazing. It was like first night. Oh, my God, that was so great. But second night. Uh, great. <laughs> Can't wait to see what happens on Raw. It was, oh, I, I just, I and just then, don't. And boy, did the Raw after WrestleMania really deliver this oh, year? Oh my goodness! What I mean, a... Jeff, let's talk about the NXT call-ups. <laughs> okay, now that we've finished doing that, let's talk about the rest of the show. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's get to some news because between Saturday and Sunday, also. It was confirmed that Endeavor was buying WWE, buying a 51% stake in the company. And guess who's back? Back again. Shady's back. Vince McMahon is now back in charge of WWE with a stupid mustache and dyed eyebrows and the whole you know, for, for as much as everyone's talking about the mustache, I feel nowhere near enough credit has been given to the terrible dye job of the eyebrows yes. and hair, summing out to look like an aged Gomez Adams cosplay. <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Uh, John Aston still taking calls, by the way, I believe. Um, yeah, yeah uh, the one positive for fans who don't like Vince McMahon and why should you uh the voting shares have been converted to standard retail so he does not have the voting power he used to so if he messes up which who knows if he will uh he does not have the same voting power he used to but I'm gonna take my victory lap here because I said early on when WWE was going to make a sale. They're going to sell themselves to someone who has no idea who to ru- how to run a wrestling company so that Vince himself will have to run it. And here you are. And yep. if he screws up, he gets a golden parachute. And it's like he got all the money. He got all the control. And if he 
and if he screws up, he gets even more money. The man's an evil genius. I just can't explain it, Chris. Yeah. Uh, I hope that Vince McMahon does not do well. Yes. That's the whole thing also. It's like coming out of this WrestleMania, you're like, man, Kevin and Sammy are there. Triple H is doing a pretty good job booking. The story has been good. You're kind of hoping everybody does well and all the boys make money. And now all of a sudden, Leroy Jenkins. Yeah, you start hearing about things with Raw, like rewriting during the show. Oh, I was going to get to that next. Um, And I'll bring it up after I make another point. No, but, way, but I, I, I mean, I just got to say, like, how do you have faith that this is going someplace awesome when you're hearing that the Raw after WrestleMania is being, like, rewritten entirely? Yep. Uh, on Monday, Vince back at Raw making changes. Segments were cut, much like uh, <laughs> he literally only played Seth Rollins to the ring. And said, you need to go, because we need to cut your segment. <laughs> Bailey was pulled from accompanying damage control uh, at the last second. Uh, women's triple threats were that were set to make a new challenger for that title were changed to a uh, Raw women's tag match. Uh, if, if I were some of the people hired by uh, Triple H or rehired, I wouldn't be uh, I wouldn't be answering my phone tomorrow. That, that I'll put it that way. I, I the the post WrestleMania cuts are coming. Endeavor itself said there there will be some cost cutting going on now that they don't. If you've seen how they deal with uh, the UFC run by Dana White, <laughs> another another high character individual, um, is that they what they do is they cut a lot of veterans of name who have big contracts in favor of of young guys. So. Maybe maybe you're gonna get your NXT call-ups, Chris. And maybe they might be in mass. Who knows? That'd be interesting. Like we we bring up the NXT contracts and just don't put them on my main roster money for a minute. Yes. Come up with some sort of loophole. <laughs> well, you signed a three-year deal for NXT. You have to fulfill that first. This gives them a better opportunity to learn where the hard camera is in the context of a live audience. <laughs> A little bit of sad news coming out of L.A. for the Mania, other than Vince, of course, but real sad news. Um, WrestleCon, uh, Butch of the Sheep Herder slash Butch Butch Miller slash Bushwhacker Butch, depending on if if you call them the Sheep Herders or the Bushwhackers, uh, passed away in Los Angeles. Uh, I love the Sheep Herders. I, I, I am un, unabashedly, and I didn't get them at first. Uh they were everywhere. They went to Portland. They went to Memphis. They did Crockett a couple of times. They did Mid-South a bit. And they were brawlers. And they were bloody. And they'd be doing, like, barbed wire matches. And their stuff with the Fantastics in Crockett is great. They had a fi- one of the first five-star matches, according to Dave Meltzer, at the, I believe it was at the Crockett Cup, that one that they did there. But then they come to WWF. And Vince just turns them into lovable children's favorites, the Bushwhackers. And it was amazing because fans wanted them to be the brawlers, like adult fans, but WWF fans 
fell in love with these goofy comedy characters. And uh, yeah, just some sad news. Uh, Butch, also known as uh, Robert Miller, Bob Miller, um, dead at the age of, I believe, 73. Were you a fan of the sheep herders or uh, bushwhackers at all, Chris? The bushwhackers were a little before my time. Okay. And so I definitely saw them do their thing. I did not see much of the sheep herder stuff. So, and that was when they were heels, right? Yeah. Oh, they were great. Yeah. Yeah. No, I imagine they would have made pretty good heels. I, I mostly just saw them doing the armpit walk thing that they would do. <laughs> yeah. No, they were, uh, and, and it's weird because it depends on if Jonathan Boyd was part of the act or not. And that was mostly, uh, I believe, Memphis and Portland where he was. It was usually just Butch and Luke. But and they'd have a flag bearer, either uh, Rip Morgan or or Johnny Ace, former vice president of talent for WWE. Uh, yeah, and and they and they were kind of a uh, that upper. They were never the main event tag team because you always had the Road Warriors or you had the uh, or you had you know the Horsemen or whatnot. But I mean, they'd had feuds with the Fantastics. They had feuds with the Fabulous Ones. They had feuds with. Uh, Bad Company, one of my favorite teams, Paul Diamond and Pat Tanaka. And, and you know, they just tear the house down because they're just these walk and brawl type things against good wrestlers. And But they worked well. So, yeah, that, that was some sad news. Uh, AEW announcing on Dynamite this week that a Wembley Stadium show will be done the week before Labor Day. Uh, the first wrestling show in Wembley since SummerSlam 1992. Wembley holds 90,000 seats, Chris. Is there any possibility that they do a sellout here in London? You want to say no, but then... No, no, they don't. But they, I think they'll still outperform. I, it's I interesting because they're going to do two back-to-back pay-per-views on two different weekends. Because all out's going to be the next weekend in Chicago, in the Chicago area. Yeah, Which but I think is I think is ridiculous to be honest with you. I think but, it's a little I think it's a little ridiculous in the sense that how do you get two cards that are equally as hot back to back like yes. that? You, you would need to be a masterful booker with real long term vision. And that's uh, not Tony Khan. That no. really isn't. Although, you know what they could do? They could do the sad ending in Wembley. <laughs> and then do the redemption. <laughs> that would actually be the way that, that that's actually the AEWA, right? They like just you, troll you all the British fans. You you don't do it right the first time and then come back around the second time. I mean, you know, uh, WrestleMania, I think is notable because they managed to make on the largest stage, the same mistake that AEW's made on like smaller stages for the last year or so. So yeah, no, um, even in ring of honor on Friday, in my opinion, they made that same Mark mistake. Briscoe, I know beating Mark Briscoe was baffling to beating me. Mark Briscoe and beating Eddie Kingston in the same night would at I, least one of those, if they had won, would have been a good deal. But Mark Briscoe with his family, in the front row, and they they pretty much did the same thing with Cody. <laughs> you know, let's bring the family to the front row, show photos of them hugging, and beat him like a geek. I I find it baffling. I I don't know. I I guess I don't get why Tony Khan does not see Mark Briscoe as more of a on screen asset than 
uh, I, I just think he's, he's like a direct hit with the fan base, right? Like he has a really easy built-in story that everyone relates to. Well, you remember and... what they did on Dynamite with him? They were going to bring him out to help coronate FTR when they won the tag titles. And it was like, well, we're out of time, but here's Mark Briscoe. Like that's like, okay. Not a strong usage of Mark. No. Uh, I continue to maintain that he should be in the title chase. I don't think he should beat MJF, but he should be like this menace to MJF. MJF should hate Mark Briscoe. Like Mark Briscoe should make MJF's life hell constantly. Like, uh, like a mankind type figure or something, you know, I'm kind of here for that. That, that never actually beats MJF, but uh, no, especially after watching MJF with his slick New York glossy thing, the perfect foil to this is the West Virginia redneck. Well, Delaware, but okay. Okay. Uh, Delaware. Okay. (laughs) Same state. I just want to, hey. No, All you're right. right. No, you're right. The 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 two people who have an iPad in in between the states are yeah, wow. yeah. Chris, a big fan of flyover country. I love him. Uh, <laughs> love him. WWE the earth. <laughs> Why are they trashing our cities? Uh, WWE recruits docu series is coming to the Roku channel. John Cena set to produce and appear. As we follow more young people who want to be on TV, follow their dreams of not making it to the WWE because they never take anybody from there. <laughs> I don't know. It, it, it's it's good content. It's another platform. Uh, I'll move on. Uh, the Grizzled Young Veterans asked for their release from NXT. They have not yet been granted it yet, though, but they asked after Stand and Deliver was over with and the schism was defeated and Boy, who wouldn't want to be part of the schism, Chris? Yeah, I, I mean, you know, the schism really was a dynamic repackaging of <laughs> Rip Fowler and Jagger Reed. I yes. believe their names. You, you nailed it. I am. I am proud of you, Chris. I so am. the way I remember their names is that they sound like rejected names of lead singers from 1960s British rock bands. Yes. Yes, yes, exactly. Yeah, like Jagger Reed, you know, fronts like the stones rolling and Rip Fowler <laughs> fronts the stinks. Uh, as announced on Friday, um, Nigel McGuinness, now part of the AEW family, he did broadcasting on the Ring of Honor pay-per-view and uh, actually gave him the Nigel McGuinness is all elite. He was also part of the lead into the aforementioned Wembley announcement. I thought this was coming at the last big announcement, but uh, good for Nigel. I, you know what? I kind of hope he gets to wrestle. I don't think he will. I don't think he'll ever be cleared again. But, man, if he could wrestle on that AEW stadium show, that would be a get. That would be that would be a get. Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know what science can do these days uh, in terms of those sorts of things. But, yeah, maybe. Um, I thought that. Tony Khan's delivery of the announcement was <laughs> certainly. You can't get the Harpo Marx thing out of your head, can you? No, it's like if Harpo Marx screamed at you, which would be interesting, right? right? The no, no, no. It, it, it's like especially when I put it on mute. It's like I'm like looking at Harpo, and then like I unmute it, and like it's coming at me like this, and it's so exciting. Um. <laughs> 
And then, like, Adam Cole <laughs> comes in and he starts delivering the promo like a normal human. Hey, kids, Adam Cole here. We're going to be in I, Wembley. Yes, I know. But, like, I was actually <laughs> relieved to see Adam Cole because I was like, oh, cool, an adult's in the room. He could deliver the rest of this. Yes, but it's such an unusual choice. I almost wanted him to say, hey, no, guys. This is, this is not the first time that Khan has tossed it to Adam Cole for an announcement, though. Like, this might be his new move. Tony Khan comes in, screams two-thirds of it, and then tosses it to Adam Cole for the soft landing. Well, they, they obviously want him. I think they want him to be the face of the company. I think he's going to be, they want to transfer away from like, say, Kenny and make Adam Cole the face of AEW. And you, I, I, you know what he needed to do is, is Tony Khan, here to help me make this announcement, the star of AEW All Access, Adam Cole. <laughs> hey, that's TV's Adam Cole over there. Yeah, I mean, who, who among us? Uh, who, yeah. Who, yeah, you know. And uh, all access. And making their debut this week on AEW Dynamite, a uh, free agent who there was talks he might go to WWE, but Jay White coming out and doing Jay White things. I uh, Look, I, I know there's a lot of people who are fans of Jay White. I'm I'm ambivalent. I'm I'm Jay White agnostic because while I realize he is a very very good wrestler, I want to see him cut some American company promos to see if he can latch on with that audience because otherwise he's just another one of those guys who's going to have good matches, and I don't think good matches is going to get you over in AEW anymore because they got thirty other guys who can do it as well. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, and the problem too with the the good match thing, just getting you over is you can come out and have your good match and then you're not on TV for another for six weeks. weeks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for six weeks. And people well, remember you having that good match, but that doesn't build momentum like that. And I think. You know, the good match debut format is not a bad one, but you have the follow ups, everything. Ricky Starks ain't beaten Jay White, and you got to kind of feel for him. But but I thought they kind of, I mean, they really, I th- I won't say they botched the debut here, but it was underwhelming to me. Number one, the, the wide shot, where it's like you're looking, okay, who is that on the apron that's underneath the Bullet Club logo that they're doing? Number two, not bringing into account all the titles that Jay White has won. And making him that big deal, that big champion from another he's company that's like come in. Robinson's buddy. Yes. It's like it's like he's the hottest free agent in wrestling. Well, that's the same line they use for Brian Cage. And Brian Cage wasn't even the hottest free agent in wrestling then. So yeah, it's like, yeah, he comes in as Juice Robinson's buddy. <laughs> they don't mention he was a former IWGP champion or don't make a huge deal of it. They don't repackage him at all. They just bring him on, you know, the leather jacket, switchblade stuff. And look, switchblade's a decent character, but you know, they needed to sizzle it up a little bit. And I just, I just thought this was kind of, eh, okay, there he is, to the back. Let's keep going, <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. It just, it felt very, very underwhelming to me. Yeah, no, and it's a bad pairing. So if Jay White beats Ricky Starks, what does that do for Jay White? And if Ricky starts, well, he might get a feud with Jericho after. Yeah, right. (laughs) 
uh, a young star getting sucked into a black hole. It's a beautiful thing. Oh, that does it for the news. No sponsor again this week, so we'll go directly into the lazy river of wrestling criticism. Whatever you watched, and we watched a lot. Whatever comes up to our mind. Shout out, by the way, while I was waiting for Chris to get done with his gig, to Wrestling Pro Wrestling and their Russell Crowe Mania. It'll be on their YouTube channel starting tomorrow. Uh, if you like your wrestling uh, unrepentantly stupid, <laughs> that is the company for you. I especially love the gimmick of the Formage Horseman. Oh, jeez. Four wrestlers with cheese gimmicks and pun names based on the original Horseman. I'm cool with that, but that'll be on YouTube on their YouTube channel tomorrow. It was on Twitch tonight. Uh, Chris, where would you like to start on this WrestleMania weekend slash Dynamite show? Man, uh, I guess we can finish out any of the extra notes on Raw right quick. So Riddle's back. <laughs> Got that done. All right, covered that. It was a bad week for women in the WWE. <laughs> Let's put it that way. We got Riddle being brought back. We got Vince McMahon being brought back. We got all of their segments being changed in some way. Yeah, uh, and uh, you just don't have any hope that the women's division is going to be presented in a uh, serious way here going ahead. Well, I think there there might be one or two talents very happy about it. Uh, I'm thinking, like, Alexa Bliss might be the big winner coming out of this. Charlotte might be a winner coming out of this. I mean, like, I, I think, like... Oh, shit. I just said Alexa. Uh <laughs> Yeah, uh, Charlotte's actually just asked for some time off, so I, I didn't have that in the news, but I, I remember that came up this week as well. It just didn't feel because like, I saw the joke. You know, even French people think that uh, Charlotte takes too much time off. Yeah. But, <laughs> uh, but but yeah, I mean, there there'll be some winners, the people who are Vince's type, so to speak. Like, I mean, we might we might get another Lacey it. Evans push. We might get. Yes. Okay. And again, I you know here's the thing. I think if they just repackage her, <laughs> well, I, I still don't understand how they blew that one. But you know, I, I get which, it. Which one? They they like there are All at least them. two. Yeah, there's at least two. They that brought her out as a heel to they... begin with when she was the most easily. She was the most simple feminist story you could give a single mom who was a marine. And that hits all of the buttons. That hits that hits single momdom. That hits career woman. That hits patriotism and their USO co-sponsorship. I just, yeah, that was just. Uh, <laughs> go ahead though. Anything, uh, whatever else you want to bring up from Raw, because I just, I, I, I literally turned it off after an hour. No, I, I mean, outside of the reinsertion of Brock, and I, I find Brock to be pretty boring as a narrative addition to the bloodline storyline. Well, yeah. And I feel like Brock as a baby face was far more at least interesting to watch in this latter stage of his career versus, Oh, he's the monster. He's a heel again. He's just going to throw people around and don't I, get me wrong. I, I like him throwing people around, but I, I heard a much better usage of Brock in this storyline posited, which is Brock comes out, starts being this, weird strange new ally to cody and never really explains why 
for the entire time and helps Cody basically like helps Cody get a fair shake when it comes time to have his match against Roman this time around and then immediately turns on him afterwards because Brock wanted another title shot and he knew he couldn't get it as long as Roman was champion. Yeah, no, that would have been great. Because, yeah, he, he had the uh, stipulation that he'd never be able to fight for the title again. Yeah, and that, that would have actually been a very fun deployment of Brock as a babyface and then immediately gives Cody a big league challenger to go after, you know, once. once you could even done. do it with the wink and smile and say nothing personal, kid. I just needed the, somebody else to have the title so I could get a title shot. It, right. He, yeah. Um, and instead, what it's going to be, it's going to be Heyman promised him a title shot or getting him reinstated. He could talk Roman into it. So it's all going to be the fulcrum of Heyman some more. I think. Right. No, no. B- Brock playing conflicted w- was utterly uninteresting. I like him as a heel. I think we've seen, we saw the best heel version of this Brock years ago at this point, though. Um, I really am not here for, Oh, I don't really want to be doing this, but I gotta be doing this. But this besmirches my honor, and I don't really like it. Like, <laughs> like Brock, I don't care that you have Brock, Fifi's. Brock, you never had honor. You were there for the money, right? I mean, that's that's the other like no, but like when he was like looking at Cody, it was like this conflicted like, oh, you're an honorable dude, and I'm doing a dishonorable thing, and I'm like, is this really was this Brock's thing? Yeah, because Brock's thing really has always been, I want the title. Now, I, I mean, there is definitely a chair missing from the table here of, you know, like how did Heyman convince Brock that he would give, how did Heyman convince Brock that this time it would be different when the last time Heyman definitely screwed over Brock? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it'll be something. They'll figure something out, I, I, I guess. Or they um, won't. Or they won't. Or they won't. Like, they uh, never actually explained why did Sami Zayn join the bloodline. It just happened. <laughs> well, he just he just had needed, he needed a family. It's all he about needed, family. Yeah, he had nothing to do, is what I've heard. He needed yeah. yeah like, like, these are not actual reasons, people. Uh, I'm going to go through Mania and just pick out a few people. That that really deserve some kudos that probably haven't gotten a lot of kudos necessarily. Uh, Logan Paul again was amazing. <laughs> it just it, even the crap with KSI was just some standard. I mean, you knew as soon as he came out with the with the bottle that that, that there was someone in there who was going to help Logan Paul, which was awesome. Uh, I actually really enjoyed Ray Mysterio and Dominic Mysterio more than I thought I would. I thought that was a really fun time. And sp- look, I don't know if you heard this or not, because you're not on social media a lot, but uh, in the pre-show, there was a problem with that prison video because there was a uh, picture of Auschwitz in there. Oh, you need to edit out. Yeah. 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 Not, not a, not a good thing. Uh, Rhea and Charlotte was really, really strong. And that over-delivered, in my opinion. I never thought it would be that good. I thought it would just be kind of uh, contrived in some ways. But no, that was a hard-hitting match that I really, really dug as well. Um, and, and of course, if you're talking hard-hitting, my God, that Intercontinental Championship match on night two was so fantastic. I, I, I miss Fat Gunther, 
Don't get me wrong, because skinny Gunther looks a little weird to me, but he can still smack the hell out of you. And Sheamus and and Drew were game to have their chest turned into hamburger, and it was glorious. God, Uh, Michael Cole was like living his best life watching that match. He clearly was enjoying that. He was also enjoying Titus O'Neil on commentary. Yes. Saying, call the police. <laughs> Which was fine. Um, I thought Asuka over-delivered in her match with Bianca Belair once it got going. I thought good for Finn Balor for getting stapled at ringside after a ladder split his head open. Yeah, it, it took people out of the match, but dude, I mean, he got... I mean, you could see Skull coming out of that cut <laughs> from the photo he posted. And even though it wasn't a great match, the the women's six-woman match, I'll tell you why I love Bailey so much, Chris. And, and you know I've been on this train for a long time. But during that match, there was no movement or no moment that did not get some sort of little reaction or little comment or little thing from Bailey. She was in character that entire match. Like somebody with her, like I, I, the, the one that stood out to me was she, she did something and she laughed. She did that dumb, evil cackle she does, which she uses too much, but still it's adorable at times. And then she immediately gets rolled up and you hear her go, whoops, <laughs> you know, like that. Like she got caught after, after being cocky and stuff like that. I don't know what happens. She's posting some really cryptic things on, on her on her social media. I don't think she's done. I don't think her contract's anywhere near it to being uh, over. I think they're probably going to end up cutting damage control. I think that's what's going to happen, and that she's going to get repackaged in some way. I'm kind of here for Asuka and Bailey as a team, but uh, no, there there was nothing offensive at other than Shane's quad blowing out on him. That was offensive. But you know, the Pat McAfee stuff was dumb but good. The the the, the four-way tag over delivered for an eight minute tag match. I thought everybody looked good in that thing. Austin Theory did his job and people made fun of John Cena going bald. I mean uh, anything else just stick out to you in this? Well I, I don't know that they really have sealed the deal with Austin Theory yet. I, no, I, I, no, I they just, did not. I, I don't, I still don't see it with this guy. I half thought they were going to beat him on Raw for the title so that they could get that from uh, Austin Theory to Solo Sokoa. Oh, yeah. I, I was okay. thinking, I was thinking, okay, Ray beats him here and then Solo challenges him like next week and takes the title from him. Because I think that's, I think the next story is Solo gets a belt and Roman and Brock get the tag belts. And we just kind of replay that. Oh, now we have gold, but not the Usos. They're the screw-ups of the crew, etc. Right, right. And Roman just like keeps dog-talking the Usos until they eventually rise up. But like, uh, man, people. Yeah. Are, yeah, yeah, exactly. They, people aren't going to be there for that. I, I mean, I, I it, you, yeah, you could drag this all the way out to 
Survivor Series and even get it to where Sammy and Kevin have the unlikely alliance with the Usos against the and Neo. Cody in a and five, Cody yeah. against the Neo Bloodline. Like you have like the Neo Bloodline, you know, like some heel tag team. Um, man, that does not sound like a fun year of wrestling, Jeff. No, it doesn't. It sounds like it sounds like walking over the same footsteps again. Right, trying right. to try and re capture the magic of it all yeah i i th- this sounds like yes it sounds like the sequel you write to cash in that you only have about one third of a script to. yeah no no the joe bob briggs uh school of sequels you just make the same movie over again yeah <laughs> like le- like le- it's like a comedy though you know like when they make like a like com the second comedy in the series especially in the 90s where the premises are just much 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 thinner yeah, like Ghostbusters too. Yes, right. No, Ghostbusters is a really good example. They, they Caddyshack have, uh, too. <laughs> yeah, they, both of these movies are about a third of a movie stretched out over the full length of a film. Although Ghostbusters too, it gets better with age. Ghostbusters, okay, Ghostbusters. Now that they now more. that they made two other Ghostbusters movies that were underwhelming to me. Yeah, that's fair. Well, yeah. <laughs> I said about the more recent one, the better. Uh, your turn, sir. Um, NXT had, I think, a fun little weekend. If you around the idea that NXT is not what it was, it is what it is. I think you could let yourself enjoy this show. It, it's not amazing. No. But it, it has its little moments. Yes, I, I agree. And, and stand and deliver... I, I thought it over-delivered mostly. I thought the only real clunker in there was the women's tag match. Um, but that had a story to it, at least. It, 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 <laughs> if a woman has you hold her bag, you give it to her when she asks for it, you dummy. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I thought the work was okay. I, the only, I mean, again, I also had this. I thought that it ended on a sour note, too. I, I really came out, but they explained it on the Tuesday show, which was fine. But there's no reason in hell that Braun Breaker should be holding up Carmelo Hayes's hand after getting cheated after the title and saying good game. That's like getting invited by your ex-girlfriend to her wedding in hopes that you like her, her new husband. I, I mean, I I did have a problem with having Trick Williams out there like th- this should have been the match where mellow says yes. no trick, go away yes i can do this, this on my own I'm gonna do yeah. this on my own and he actually does and like that's the story of the match and it would all of, everything else at the end would have been great right like breaker holding up his hand after mellow did this honorable thing and beat him fair and square in the middle mm-hmm. of the thing um night one would have been perfectly countervailed by the celebration the next night where again Melo's trying to be really gracious about everything and then breaker turns on him oh that would have been awesome yes as it was it was still pretty good but he's I, just I, stewing about getting beat clean yeah I mean, that's that's what i mean that's even worse than getting angry about getting cheated and then taking it out on somebody that's way better heel fuel too right <laughs> yes. Like, yes. like it's just this guy's better than me and i effing hate it yeah. Yeah. And Mellow Mellow trying to be gracious about it and even be like, you know, like 
you know, as he's saying I am and stuff and just making sure still to be like, I still have respect for Braun Breaker, serious, serious competitor. Uh, and even that not being enough for Breaker, I, I think that would have been more interesting. But you know. I think the one match that surprised me, I did not see Indy Hartwell getting that title under any circumstance and bringing back this whole Dexter Loomis thing, even though they do it every time. And I, I still get fooled by it. Um, that said, my one note coming out of there is if we we're going to have women do ladder matches and dives and stuff, uh, ladies, <laughs> was Miz coaching the catching on, on this thing? Because Tiffany Stratton went down and everybody, it, it, there were four women there and they all olayed her and she just went splat on the floor. And if I'm Tiffany Stratton, I get to the back and I'm giving receipts. I'm sl- <laughs> coming here, Roxanne. Boom! <laughs> Punch her right in the face. I thought the spine muster she took on the ladder looked pretty f- yeah, very bad. Yeah. yeah, she's gonna need a chiropractor for the next yeah. 20 years. because I, I watched that spine buster on the ladder. I was just like, oh, dear God. <laughs> like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> but, but speaking of uh, the way Johnny Gargano just proves that he is uh he is the master of takeover. That was a fun match with Grayson. Totally. Uh, I agree. I agree. Um I mean I still I just never loved that feud. Um No, but- I, did, I I I I hate that feud and I was I was I was actually waiting for Vic to do something because he's been kind of the emotional crux of this whole thing because Vic and Johnny were friends in the Indies and from Cleveland and stuff like that. And Grayson kept going to him and calling him his boy. I was waiting for the moment where, where Vic slugs Grayson Waller and, and Booker T marks out. (laughs) Oh, uh, Man, Booker's had a couple of doozy lines too on the broadcast, but Booker pulled an all nighter somehow and just walked in and was just wired and like crashed about three quarters of the way through. But yeah, he just, he doesn't watch the product. <laughs> the Booker T experiment is so fascinating to me because like they, they try this every few years. Cause I, I captioned, I captioned yes. a prior run of this. What, no, but... you, you, you captioned when he was on raw. Yes, I yeah. did. Yeah. And that was very bad. And he was part of a three-man team, and he was bad. He was still really bad, yeah. <laughs> Dragon Lee has had a lot of great, has done a lot of great things, but I don't know anything about him. I think that was a little long. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yes. The, no, the, the, <laughs> he had several doozies on Dragon Lee, yeah. Like, yeah, because I don't think he had ever seen Dragon Lee right, before. So. right. <laughs> Um, or none of those other things matter. I, it was, yes, it was something. It was something like that, where it was basically like, like low key fading the entire career of him. Um, but that Nathan Fraser match on Tuesday uh, was great. I thought. What the Nathan Fraser Dragon Lee match? Yeah, yeah, that was great. They they have a lot of small guys who can fly around. That's a good thing. Now they just need to give them some personality. Exactly. Um, Axiom and Axiom and Wesley was really, really good too. And there was a, there's a callback to uh, one of the spots in the match where they, where they did the flip and, uh, and uh, uh, Axiom kicked Wesley in the face during the flip or something like that. And then they tried it. He tried it again and Wesley knew how to counter it. I thought that was smart, but uh, yeah, I, I think, I think we got a nice little work rate fed starting 
amongst some of the men in the mid card here. It's just figuring out a way to characterize them so that American audiences and especially WWE audiences find them interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards turning Axiom heel. I think he's going that way. Okay. Like, <laughs> I feel like that's the right move. Okay, this is a baffling move to me. Ivy Nidal beats Tatum Paxley. Like, what does Tatum Paxley do now? <clears throat> like, we, we are you really invested in the Tatum Paxley story? No, it's just like they they were teasing turning her uh and having her be like the third to yeah, uh, yeah alba fire and then but then they stopped doing that i i think I, she might be on the chopping block here they might be doing that again too they may just go back to that or or hey it. hey you beat me now can i be part of the diamond mine yeah right <laughs> uh i need to train more can i join diamond mine yeah i uh, yeah <laughs> just uh anything else from nxt that you want to bring up uh, not that I can think of. Uh, so AEW Dynamite or anything thereabouts. Yeah. Uh, so FTR looks like they have re-signed with the company. They won the tag titles. They gave uh, they gave the guns a freshened up look in losing. So I, I figured they will go on with this and calling them former champions and give them a bit of an edge going forward. But before this main event... This this Blackpool Combat Club segment. <clears throat> we need to talk about this, Chris. Because not only did we say that Adam Page has no friends, we had this weird promo by Brian Danielson. And I got sent a uh, a theory by a friend of the show, Rick Kobos. And I, at first I said, no, that can't be it. But now I'm thinking he's right. So the Blackpool Combat Club are now an MMA dojo. That's fine. They always kind of have it. But they're really getting into this right now. And we have Brian Danielson talking about amateurs and we're the only professional wrestlers and all these other things. Is Brian Danielson and the Blackpool Combat Club right now somewhat ribbing on this whole CM Punk thing? with that character where he's working with children and he's tired of it type of a thing. Oh, weird. I hadn't thought about it like that. I hadn't thought about it either, but now I'm starting to think that Brian is just mischievous enough to want to do something like that. Yeah. 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 I, I could see that. I, I just couldn't believe though that they, they, they Adam page has no friends, even though He's had the elite and the dark order on his side in the midst of this, and none of them come to help him. They stick a screwdriver in his face, and the announcing team is just like, well, here's what we're going to have on Rampage. Now it's time for her main event. <laughs> no emotional resonance on this Dynamite show for anything that happened whatsoever. Yeah. Is that it? <laughs> I don't I mean the Blackpool stuff is just like the sudden like turn of Brian Danielson again has just left me cold. I had someone arguing me to, to me this week that 
Danielson was a whole, was a heel the entire MJF feud, and so this is all actually consistent. Uh no, they double turned him and Moxley, if you recall, because he was a he was a heel in the Moxley feud. Right, I know. And I then know. when Moxley and him joined forces, he turned babyface, and they eventually made Moxley go heel with the punk stuff. And yeah, um. But like the the this person was trying to argue to me that he was actually a heel the entire MJF feud and that the MJF and Danielson feud was a heel versus heel feud. No, I, I know I, I don't I, buy I, I that. Could, but I could I couldn't go there with that person either. Uh, but I think I, there's also a problem with Danielson as a heel to begin with because he never really. It, it feels like he's playing a guy who's playing a heel. Yeah, no, okay, so here's my problem with Danielson. As a There's hero. no emotional connection there. No, I think he chooses scenery. Yes. I think, it, like, he works as a baby face because he's, like, actually, like, there's something kind of authentic about his baby face character when he's doing it right. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like him as a heel, especially now, it it, it is, it's a very over-the-top mustache twist. Yes, yes, the wholesomeness of him being a baby face makes him an absolute fraud when he's playing a heel. And so it's it's like he's he's really playing it up. He's almost he's almost doing the WWE uh you know when he was uh, the recycling guy and Eric uh yes Eric Redbeard reads no, no, no. six he, books he, a day. He is kind of back to the fickle thing. Like you have a yeah. you have like a new word of the day and you beat it into the ground. And I, I think you sort of nailed the problem with Danielson's rapid fire heel turns over the last uh, couple of years here is that the genius of Daniel Bryan is in this long sort of authentic baby face run, which, which they did. They, once they settled into it, they, they made him a real underdog baby face for like years. Yeah. And the, you feel authentically connected with that character so when you turn him, you have to go all out. You sort of have to Hollywood Hogan him. Um, it, you know, it, 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 actually, it's it, Hogan's a decent. You model. know what they really need to do is, did you ever watch any of the old ECW when uh, Cactus Jack refused to be hardcore? Oh no, no, I've never seen those episodes. Okay, yeah, no, he he he, he turned heel. Be, uh, with this great promo, I believe it was with the Kane Dewey promo, where he was like, "I was out there fighting the Sandman or whatever," and uh, and there's a sign there that said Kane Dewey. Dewey's like four years old. And he gets so mad at the fans of ECW and their bloodlust that he refuses to be hardcore anymore. So he's. So he's doing everything technically sound and stuff like that. That's what you need from Daniel Bryan or Brian Danielson at this point. It's like, I don't want to be a great technical wrestler anymore. I want to be an FMW garbage wrestler or whatever he, whatever his vision is. And really just. Punk I want fans. him to do nothing but like work sloppy, hardcore matches like Moxley or, or headlocks, just headlocks. I can beat you with a headlock. That's no, all. no, no. The the, the problem, the, the crowd will get into like the yeah. Thing. They'd ironically but, like. That. Yeah, they would ironically like that. No, I I want it to be like 
boring plotting hardcore matches like just but like not actually good like Kane? <laughs> yeah like 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 Kane yeah yeah like like yeah like Kane yes <laughs> here's a stop sign I'm going to throw it at your head oof there we go yeah I I want it to be like none of the fun of an actual hardcore match yeah just, that, that's just, how like, you do it oh it, methodical it, it can't be it, yeah you can't use anything to... impressive as a weapon. You have to. No, no. He's just, you know he just uses like the same weapon over and over and over again too. Like it's just like a trash can. A he... piece of Tupperware. AT he just hits a guy with what he brought his lunch in over and over and over again. <laughs> a laundry basket. That's what. <laughs> One of those plastic laundry baskets. Oh, look at me. I'm hardcore now. Uh, now I want that, Chris. Now, now I won't I won't stand until until this this weird Where did the screwdriver come from? That's the thing I don't get either. It's like I'm a member of the Blackpool Combat Club. We train each other. Oh, we're we're angry, you know jocks types it's like been hanging out with my kids here's a screwdriver <laughs> it was just weird anything else um what did we think of the mjf segment i actually liked it it went a little long i, I thought the worst part of it is they needed to think of another way to get jungle boy in there oh because, i know because the mask thing was just so i mean i just did that last week i mean they should have hidden Jungle Boy in the back of the horn section and done the symbol bit and then have Max go, who was that? Or whatever. And then all of a sudden the band kind of splits like the Red Sea and then you see that it's Jungle Boy in the back there and he comes in and he starts beating up Max. But uh, no, I, I mean, I liked it. I mean, look, he's going to do what he's going to do. Uh, this, this, Look, it was theatrical without being too WWE uh, because this would have been a talk show <laughs> if, if, if it were, if we're WWE. Um, I liked this and I liked the Sammy Guevara promo mostly other than, other than the usage of saying that Max politicked. I liked the usage of his story of using people in factions to get to the top while Sammy's been loyal, but I didn't like him saying, well, you've just politicked as well. And I'm like, ah, no, don't break the fourth wall on that one. Just let, let's go with the story that MJF uses people like the firm, like the pinnacle, like the inner circle, et cetera, to get to the top. I, I, I but uh, I, I didn't mind either of those things to, that night. What did you have a problem with? Um, I wouldn't say I had a, a problem with any of it. Uh, I, I'm with you. I thought, I thought he actually did a pretty good job with pennies for heaven and <laughs> the AEW watermark on the music made it for me. <laughs> I really liked that as a touch. What do you mean? Oh, they showed, they showed the sheet music oh. before, before they showed uh MJF and had, it had the AEW logo on it. Jeez Louise. And it was great. I, I, I I actually thought the politician also did a hell of a job cutting a promo up. Oh, oh yeah. okay, good. okay. Saladino or whatever was was weirdly compelling. Uh, I, yes. It, 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 it was as though he realized he was being received as a heel. And it, and but knew also, it, yeah. 
knew it, understood that MJF is normally a heel, and like enhanced the scene substantially. Yes. It made the MJF Bizarro World thing really good because I don't know anything about Joe Saladino. All I know is that like everyone in his municipality hates his balls. And that is enough for me to like understand his relationship with MJF. And I'm into that. Um <laughs> like the the it, them clapping for ADD was good. I thought no, where where it went off the rails. The music and lumber was fine. Way too long with the sax bit. Like that sax solo went on way too long. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like like that was where it started dragging there. And then then the Mrs. Benedict story didn't go anywhere. Like <laughs> he it, just it, wanted to call a woman a bitch on yeah, TV. It, yeah. I, I mean, right. Like it's just like I hate my teacher. Like, okay, but like it just it wasn't that is a perfect story to interrupt with jungle boy we did not need to get to the end of that story he just started playing the symbols then right right we absolutely did not need to get to the end of that story so like no this segment went on a little too long i mean overall that was good and i thought it was novel like uh, th- this does bring out a certain facet of mjf that I, I don't I think it can work in extremely small doses for his heel character, but like I sort of don't love Yeah, I don't want these do, Yeah, I don't want him to be too comedic or lovable. Like I don't need my villains singing musical numbers. This isn't I, I, a Disney movie. I don't want the giant presentations week after week. Like we've had the bar mitzvah. We've had the the homecoming thing. I don't want these WWE style slash Memphis style big to do's for him every week, you know, where, and then somebody comes crash the party to, and, and that's, that's it, it the It feels heat. like they don't know what to do with him though. Like, like that they don't, like they don't want to have him wrestle too often. And that makes some sense, but then they don't know what to do with the week to week. So it's right, but they know they want him on TV because he brings right. ratings. Yeah. Right. And, and I don't, I don't know what the answer is there. I mean, I would put him on commentary, for example. That's like one thing where you don't have to have him like doing like skits. You can just have him like more entwined with the world. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I, I agree with that as well. Um, the only other thing I had from AEW is that Jamie Hader makes Rio look like a million bucks every time. We, yeah. We, no, I thought. The, yeah, I thought so too. Yeah. We've said this on the show over and over, like especially like little things, like and I bring this up as well every time. When Rio does the dive off the top rope onto Hater, Hater throws her legs out from underneath herself to make that thing look like Rio is is coming at her with the force of a brick. And of course, Rio is like giving up like 50 pounds at least to her. But yeah, no, I, I liked that match um overall as well. I have no other notes, Chris. Um, I mean, it's like the smallest note, like Commander coming in, uh, having that nice showcase match and then losing to Sammy Guevara is just sort of like a good example of the type of type of trajectory that you and I are worried about with like some of these guys. Like, yeah. It, 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 the commander thing. I think that was okay. I can talk a little bit about this. This okay. looked like an issue in the future. Like I liked Sammy doing the cutter off of that. I thought that was a good use of it. Yeah. Problem with commander is that he only flows with guys who can work with commander. He doesn't flow with anybody else. He did that walking the rope thing like three different times and it was the law of diminishing returns yes. Yes. each time. 
you have to wait for him to get in position. Like Sammy was taking forever to get on that turnbuckle for that last cutter spot because commander just wasn't ready yet or whatever. Um, There's a lot of waiting. There's a lot. I mean, it's and, and commander's offense. This was also my problem with the six man between the best friends and the house of black. And it's my problem with a lot of these. They're good matches type of things it never feels like the violence is intensifying in these matches to try and get to a win. It just feels like they're going to do their spots. And then eventually somebody's going to get a pin. Like commander doesn't feel like he's trying to win the match with his offense. It just feels like he wants to do some dives off the ropes. Right. And And that takes a guy like me out of his matches. And for me, it was like Guevara wasn't really trying to make a statement. Right. And, And, the whole auspice of this match is that Guevara wants to be taken credibly as a world champion. I mean, he's announcing himself as world champion already, sort of. So, like, he should be trying to put down Commander. If, if anything, his problem in this match is that he's overzealous in trying to put down Commander. Yeah. He's so driven to put him down that he sometimes gets himself into trouble before ultimately beating him. And instead, what they had was they had a commander match with Sammy in it, and then Sammy ultimately got the win. That, right. That's what the, that was. Yeah, and I, 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 yeah, I have those problems with that. Like, again, the six, the, the the trios titles match. I was just like, well, there's no real point to this, and the House of Black isn't intensifying things, and they're just gonna do their moves until they pin one of the best friends. And I was like, why isn't the House of Black like beating the crap out of Chuck here or Orange Cassidy for some emotional resonance? To, to continue this thing. That was my, like the match itself was fine, but it was, it was a match with six guys in it working very smooth as opposed to telling an actual story. to me. Right. And, and there's a great story that they seem to be telling here, at least in recent weeks of the best friends are finding themselves kind of outgunned and increasingly looking towards cheating tactics uh, as as like a way of getting over the hurdle here and the house of black would have been awesome opportunity for them to like finally do like a low blow or something actually try to legitimately beat this more powerful team uh only through dastardly tactics and see how the audience processes that yeah and, and and orange cassidy is the emotional crux of the best friends everybody wants to see orange cassidy so if they did something to him that would have been I think that would have been okay here because the story is also that Orange Cassidy is continuing to get hurt and hurt and hurt more until he finally, you know, loses the title or whatever. So, um, yeah, uh, I got nothing else. Yeah, I have nothing else either. So you can follow me at Crap Game 13. You can follow Chris on Instagram, D-O-C-T-O-R underscore N-O-V. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes on Twitter, all one word. I only update that when new episodes come out. I don't... I save all my bad jokes for my own Twitter feed. <laughs> you can also listen to me uh, Wednesday nights on the Dynamite Show on Fight Game Media, Fight Game or Patreon.com slash Fight Game Media for five bucks a month. Uh, you can get all those shows over there on their Plus feed. Uh, we do a thorough deconstruction, thorough deconstruction of Dynamite every week. So if that's your jam and you like me, great. If you don't like me, Probably shouldn't be listening to my podcast, but hey, I'm glad you're here anyways. Chris does guitar lessons and other various things. He'll tell you about them now.
Yeah, if you find me on Instagram, uh, Dr. Uh, as Jeff said, D-O-C-T-O-R underscore Nov. You can hit me up for guitar lessons. Um, I also do shows, music shows around the Albuquerque area. You can, of course, go to my Instagram and find out about those shows as I am doing them when I'm out in a boot. <laughs> in Canada? In Canada. Oh, speaking of which... Christian Cage and Luchasaurus are back. Jeff, you want to do a few more minutes? Hola, hola. My name is Ricardo. I am the host of the Lucha Jovers podcast here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. We are a Spanish-speaking show dedicated to discussing and analyzing pro wrestling from all across the world. From AW to CMLL, we talk about American wrestling, Japanese wrestling, and, of course, Lucha Libre. If something big happened in the pro wrestling world, we will talk about it. So if you know Spanish or have a friend that knows Spanish or want to practice your Lucha Libre pronunciations, go listen to the Lucha Jovers podcast right here in the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Nos vemos por ahí.